So do you want to tell it, Brom? Well, so Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, an argument that by the end of Omega's career, you know, they could be the two best Western wrestlers ever. Um, they've had, I think, one singles match and it was just a ridiculous comedy match where they were like, part of it was where they were like, basically like repeating what's like a nursery rhyme kind of thing, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. like so what? Jacob, whatever yeah. it is. So, so... So um, Kenny Omega, so Dragon's like doing some wrestling moves and Kenny Omega stops him. He's like, stop. Mm. And he's like, and all the crowd's silent. And he's like, I, I know your name isn't Dragon. What's your real name? And he goes, oh, it's, it's John. And he's like, John what? John Jacob. John Jacob what? John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. And they start dancing, singing the nursery rhyme. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, his name is my name too. Whenever we go out, the people always shout, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. And then all the crowds go mental singing it, and then all and then like halfway through, Omega rolls him up and goes for the pin. It's Amazing. it's it's like it's like my second favorite wrestling spot of all time. Which, which... You're right, Chef. Yeah, just listening to your bullshit. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go into full Sultan mode, and that should be fine. <laughs> that is the vibe of the podcast. Yeah, you're, you're going to describe yourself as Mr. WrestleMania, aren't you? <laughs> well, I did stay awake for three quarters of night two. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Dom's recorded. Yeah, right, mate, that's. Every week, I'm like, I know it as soon as it's said. I'm like, oh, that's the open. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. This is episode 11. I cannot believe we have done 11 of these things. But we are back for yet another week and we welcome a very special guest once again this week in Shafi, who you just heard in the open. As always, I'm your host, Don Philp, on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. And we are coming to you free of charge every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe why don't you tweet us out if you found us over on twitter there's what over ten thousand followers over there why don't you instagram us out in your story if you found us on instagram that's far less likely because i've got about seven followers over there hey why don't you write someone a letter why don't you give someone a phone call Maybe if you've got a balcony, you would like to act this whole podcast out in a dramatic performance for your friends and family down below during a lockdown in your city. Hey, it's your choice, no pressure. Thanks very much for joining us regardless here for episode 11. We're going to get straight into things. Here comes the pod. Um, I want you to introduce Shaf like you Don Callis introducing Omega last night. Wrestling should be fun, episode 11. It's what the nerds are watching. Ross, Matt, and Matt are all here, but also we've got my hero, your hero, the saviour of Tetch Match Cricket, and the fucking god of professional wrestling, Shafi. (laughs) (laughs) Shafi, sometimes I don't know, like, because obviously I don't know how to introduce you with, like, your full name, first and last name. 
the thing is, you know what? There are some people, Pele, Madonna, <laughs> we just Shafi, we just go by one name. Synonymous with one name. That's how well known we are. I mean, I'm also known as the Sultan, of course. You know, so I will I will answer to the Sultan or Shafi. That's fine. I don't mind. But I am, of course, back here by popular demand. The stats don't lie. The analytics don't lie. We've got the experts in. And I don't know if you know, but I'm a very big deal in North Bergen, USA. <laughs> shout, out, shout out if you are the one person that somehow played this podcast 330 times in North Bergen, USA. I think it was a whole town. Like, it was all 12 of them. <laughs> I, like, yeah, it, it, whoever's done it, you've now got us a, a corporate deal with Slim Jims off the back of those numbers. Uh, on an unrelated note, if you want a very nutritious and protein-filled snack, slimgyms.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, if you're in North Bergen, I think that's how you say it, and you're listening to this, please give us a shout on the Twitter or the Instagram. Uh, maybe you are going to be one of the people that we've got here on the call-up sheet this week. guys um looking forward to hearing shelfie's quips on this one i'm wondering if you've heard that previously if dom's left that in from the previous bit um let's start with the undercard it's jacob from from san antonio so jacob he is a gimmick match wrestler he's not particularly great in a ring but he gets away with it because he puts his body on the line for the people um he doesn't win very often uh, because he's got one huge Achilles heel that we call Jacob's Ladder. In the, <laughs> he can't win ladder matches because he's scared of fights. <laughs> no I, one's um, beaten that. I, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of his brother, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we're going Divas, and we're going for Crystal Marie from Florida. Such a sexist, Ross. <laughs> where's the where's the hashtag women's revolution ross i'm i'm talking 2008 <laughs> <laughs> butterflies for life you must love the new japan belt <laughs> what, what's the um so what's the name again ross crystal marie from i mean that is that is already that is that is already a 2008 diva's name to be fair <laughs> i actually i'm with you it's not a yeah she, Unfortunately, I don't think she's going to get booked in the Divas Revolution era. <laughs> the Women's Revolution era, even. Divas Revolution. That could be the next move, the Divas Revolution. Like, Gillian Hall comes back and just squashes Charlotte. I think that she would probably uh, have rivalry with Punk over the initial CM. Oh, I like that. Oh, is it Crystal with a C? It is. And uh, the, way, not, the way... Whoa, it's not Crystal, it's Crystal. Yeah, yeah, the, that, that's what I was going to say. Put some respect on that name. <laughs> Next up, we're staying in the US of A, and it's William Henry Morgan from Oregon. Uh, he's he's, he's going to go full, like, MJF EC3 with that, isn't he? Isn't it? W- is it? H-W-M. <laughs> Pirate gimmick. Captain Morgan. Oh, I like it, Get yeah. Him in there. I like the I like the idea that he is a shop assistant in a department store, um, but it's not it's not quite W H Smith and it's not H, it's not quite H and M, it's W H M. Next up, we're going South America. Andre Moya from Colombia. 
Cool name. Bramit, didn't you go to Colombia once? Yeah. All of it. Not all of it. Most of it. Medellin, Cartagena. I was there. I lived there for a couple of months. My Spanish is now shite. Yeah, I love Colombia. What's the name again, Ross? Sorry. Andre Moya. Yeah, that is that is a solid name. I think I've, I don't think we've had a Colombian. I don't think I can name a Colombian wrestler. I think it's the first. Yeah, I mean that's got to be well. So, so basically, um, signed for the WWE and then repackage him from being from Ecuador. <laughs> no, no discernible reason. <laughs> okay, so we've got two more. This is the main event. We've got Jason Henning from Jasper, Indiana. From Jasper, Indiana. Henning. Uh- Henning, so it's with an extra N, sadly. No, I'm sorry, we're we're rebooking him. It's Mr. Perfect's grandson. <laughs> I like I like the idea that he's like Mr. the opposite. Because his name's spelt slightly different. He's Mr. Imperfect. And he just fucks everything up. He's just like slightly off skew. He botches loads of moves and he always like stumbles over his words in his promo. I think there's money in that gimmick. <laughs> he has loads of vignettes where he like throws a basketball and it hits a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> just miss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Trips over, throwing a football. It'd be so good. Love that. Final one. It's Dreads Tony from Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wait. sorry, we're going we're to we we have to repackage him as PG era Tony. <laughs> Dreads, Tony, I don't know much about you, but I am a big fan of your work. Carry on, you crazy guy. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See, yeah. I, kind of, I interpreted that name differently. So I took it as Dreads, as in is scared of. So he's just got a national fear of anyone called Tony. So he can reach the top of the car, but as soon as he comes across like Tony Storm, he's done for. <laughs> Phobia. Do you do you extend that even even further, Shafty? So this guy's called like Steve, and he just particularly dreads a guy called Tony who works. Exactly. With- <laughs> you know, like he's had a particularly bad experience, and it's just it stayed with him. <laughs> Love it. And lastly, um, the wrestling should be fun. Shout out this week goes to the new friend of the group, Joe Hendry, who okay. is following us now on social. Uh, thanks very much for the follow, Joe. We hope that, that you enjoyed your uh, dream match with Timothy, with Timothy Thatcher as we all booked last week in varying weird ways. And apologies for booking you to lose your teeth. Uh, welcome to the family, Joe. Joe Hendry! <laughs> Come on, Tim! Go <laughs> <laughs> <Roll> back. <laughs> Uh, excellent stuff. Call up sheet. Really, probably our best one yet, I'd say. Good to have Shafi here with the quips. Um, right. Should we do a little bit of uh, what the nerds are watching? I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long. That's where the theme song goes. Okay. Uh, right. What the nerds are watching. It is Monday today. Pulling back the fourth curtain podcast war, whatever you want to call it. Oh, um, mate it's not it's not rocket surgery (laughs) um i anyone else watch impact because i the impact pay-per-view because i really just watched the main event but i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it um it's pretty much the only wrestling i watched this week so i'll get mine out of the way uh a couple of thoughts um, I haven't put it up on the Instagram yet, but I managed to screenshot before the match started. Brian Hebner 
when they introduced him, for some reason, he just looked so sad. Yeah, I don't know if anyone, yeah. did anyone see that? He was dead behind the eyes. I don't know. And, well, I'm going to make a joke on the Instagram, like when you realise you've got to work Sunday. <laughs> like, I just, I've never seen someone just look so demoralised from hearing their own name. Had he it just was, heard a uh, write-up from Con Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might have been. Yeah, might have been. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't too keen on taking the um, the lethal injection. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what else did I notice about that match? I'll tell you, my, my, main, my main takeaway, other than I just really, really like Kenny Omega, even though you're not meant to, is I think at some point, I, I don't know if AEW are smart enough to do this or, or maybe they're dumb enough to do this, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're planting the seeds for Tony Khan to be the true heel because I just... I, I just wonder if they didn't they didn't promote it on impact on purpose. They're trying to get a bit of heat. He's sitting there in the front row, just being an absolute douchebag. Like, did you see him? He's clapping and he's got and he's doing like when Omega's on top and he's there and he's clapping. He's going, great match, great match, great match. Oh, no, he is he is a heel on impact, Tony Khan. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the idea then, I suppose. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That was that was my other main takeaway. So two things that had nothing to do with what was an incredible wrestling match. Oh, and the last thing was um, there were a couple of times when, and we say this a lot here, but where I felt like Rich Swan was maybe half a step off on a couple of moves, but I thought it actually added to the atmosphere. I think he's was he more than half a step off. Like I, like it was just it's so weird. Like the first like the first half of the match, I didn't notice it at all, and then it was like. He was like botching all over the shop. He was like, he he also just seemed like fucking knackered, and like Omega was proper carrying him. And like you said, I I, I agree with you. Like maybe Swan's like a genius because like there was like a long there was parts of it where he just looked so fucked because like maybe Omega's dominated him or whatever. But yeah, I'm I, I'm I, I'm with you. I found, I found it a bit yeah, it was really really interesting. The, the the main one that stood out to me was you know how he did the headstand on the apron, yeah. yeah. But then that that sort of tied into the rest of the match because Omega yeah. does Omega does that work was, the neck, yeah. Omega sells the neck, but then again, like Kenny Omega's a fucking like he's a god, right? So he called it like. But yeah, I just thought it. I was just like, that's almost a little bit too clever, like and and like he fucking yeah. he did drill his head, yeah, on the apron. It looks it looked pretty bad actually. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. I, uh, anyone else got takeaway thoughts on? Did people? Anyone watch the whole pay per view? I did. Uh, yeah, I did as well. You want to go, Shafi? Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's probably the first uh, Impact. I'm bound to say TNA at some point, so I apologise. But the last <laughs> time I watched it, it was TNA. Uh, I was a massive fan between probably 2005 and 2010, but I doubt that I've seen a show in the last ten years. So this was a first time for me. Um, I'm just going to work for it chronologically with my thoughts. Um, I don't know what the place is called, if it's the impact zone or, but when the, the pay-per-view starts, you get your first impressions of this thing that you haven't seen for more than 10 years. And to be honest, it, it doesn't look particularly impressive, does it? It does look a lot like the BT studio where NXT UK is. Um, I understand it's, it's challenging times at the moment. So it is what it is. Um, we obviously started off with a triple threat match. We had Ace Austin versus TJP versus Josh Alexander. TJP is the only one of these guys that I've ever seen before. Um, 
and I can't say that I was ever particularly a fan. <laughs> like this match was really interesting because I think on the surface of it, it was a really fun, you know, quick pace sort of match to get a pay-per-view started. But at the same time, it was also everything that's wrong with wrestling in a way. Um, or what has become wrong with wrestling. Like it was just full of tropes, full of, I think with, it's not just obviously impact. It's the same with AEW. It's the same with uh, WWE. But with multi-man matches, we've just come to have all of these. It's less a match. It's less a fight. And it's now just trying to move from one set piece, one set piece to the next. Um, and I find it really difficult to get into matches like that because everything in the middle, the struggle to actually win seems kind of pointless. Um, so this match, I think, really struggled from lack of psychology. And there was one part which is possibly, I mean, we'll tie it back to Brian Hebner. Uh, Ace Austin, I assume this is his gimmick. He pulled out a playing card to give a paper cut between the fingers of one of his opponents. And Brian Hebner took it away because it was a foreign object. But it's a triple threat match. There's no DQ. What are you doing? You know, you're supposed to be the main referee in your company. You're referee in the main and you don't even understand the rules in the opening bout. Um, which was funny because later on in the show, I know that Brum saw it. They did this bit with Tony Khan backstage where he brought Aubrey Edwards with him and said, she's the best referee in the company. She should be ref in the main. And I believe it was Scott Demore said, no, we don't need her. We've got this guy. We've got, you know, we've got Hebner. I was thinking, <laughs> that's probably why he looks so sad in the main event. <laughs> you know, because I know that obviously Conley is not a big fan of, of his father, Mr. Hebner. Or, um, any, or any refs ever. Or any refs ever. I but Con was going to say, or any dads ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but particularly Earl Hebner. I yeah, think. particularly Earl, yeah. Um, but his son was definitely carrying the torch for him here. Like, it was, it was poor. I feel like the way that wrestling's gone, it's become less about telling a story and it's become more about just hitting these certain spots to try and elicit a certain star rating. Um, Chef, um, yes, at the fear of pushing this podcast Stop. past midnight, um, what was your thoughts on Ace Austin? Because I, because I absolutely love him. Uh, like as a character, what like there wasn't really a lot to say. I think that he's very flashy in the ring, um, probably too much. So did sometimes... you get the impression that he's like a bit of a sleazeball, or did you not really get that? Mm, I didn't really get a feel for his character, to be honest. And, and Shaft, sorry to keep this this pod on the opening match of Impact, but the, but <laughs> one, I completely agree with you. Forgive the pun, but spot on. Um, the I just. Yeah, what weeks is completely right. And one thing that talking about tropes in triple threat matches, and one that was used in in here, which was massively to the detriment. This was supposed to be Josh Alexander's crowning moment, but about thirty seconds before that, Sawyer Fulton. It, I, I, I don't. I, I assume that's still his name in Impact, or um, but Sawyer Fulton, who was like pulled TJP like out of a cover, and then Alexander won. Like, why did you even have that in? It just completely takes away from Alexander's moment because I know like triple threats are an ODQ but when you've got outside interference it's it was not it like, wasn't needed in the match or anything added nothing to the story and yet again going back to Shaft's issue with the psychology here completely just kind of shit on Josh Alexander's moment because TJP should have won like do you think, do fucking you, bullshit I haven't seen the match but do you think that that just leads just leads you into TJP moaning about it and getting his match against Alexander and moving up 
Austin to the main event. Well, but, but the point is, is like that's what they constantly do in wrestling. And you've at, the, at some point, you've got to stop leading to shit and you've got to have a payoff. Josh Alexander, I got the impression, was really over after the Ethan Page thing. He was like, this should be a crowning moment. You don't need to... Not every match should set up the next match. You should just have a match, which is a fucking payoff. And this was a perfect moment. Like, this this is going to get more eyes than any of the shows in, in ages because of the main event. And you've got a time to, like, have a guy who's built up, got, got over organically, and have a great crowning moment in the opening match and use it to lead to a next match. That is just such fucking shit wrestling psychology that, like, it turned me off this pay-per-view, like, immediately. It's it's just it's just completely old school booking, isn't it? Of like, oh well, we've got to book the town again next month, and we've got to bring the fans back next month. But wrestling's not like that anymore. Yeah, completely done. Yeah, it's fucking did my head in. Like, yeah, I'm glad Shafi got pissed off by it as well. I mean, as one of those people that doesn't normally watch, uh, as as Brom said, you know, a lot of people watching who wouldn't normally, that didn't really get Josh Alexander across to me. Like, what I wrote down on my piece of paper was shit, Jack Swagger. <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to get people to come back. There were there were massive issues with psychology in this match. Uh, they had another spot where Josh Alexander got put in a knee bar, and rather than sell the pain, he put the next guy in an ankle lock. Like it just, yeah, there were issues. Loads of them. Um, but we'll move on to the next match. We'll we'll bring it back. Wrestling should be fun. We can't just moan for an hour. You know, <laughs> no one wants to hear that. So. They had a match with one faction called Violent by Design. Uh, they're led by Eric Young. And Eric Young got injured. And so they brought in this big surprise. You know, they, we don't know who's going to be the, the mystery uh, person on their team. And th- I got so excited for this. It was so good. Because they come out and on the stage, in big letters on the Titantron, it just says, Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, fuck Bad Bunny, we're finally going to get some good music. We're going to get Morrissey in here, Irish blood. He knows how to fight. He's, you know, he's going to fuck up Rhino and all of, or well, Rhino's probably on his team. I don't know. I, I wasn't following it that closely. I didn't really understand, but I popped for Morrissey. Um, and what we actually got was uh, Big Cass. <laughs> and if a double decker Cass. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I reckon that's Morrissey's second sort of like mainstream TV reference this week. Wasn't he famously on the new episode of The Simpsons in the States this week as well? You're the only person still watching The Fucking Simpsons, Dom, past season eight. I No, I, I'm a season two to season 12, man. I, I, like only. But anyway, yeah, anyway, lots of Morrissey this week. But like, by the way, for anyone listening, like, like Mike, I'm speaking to you. Shafi's not joking. Like, it just came up Morrissey. That's his name. Cass has been rebranded as Morrissey. Like, this is, that's what happened. And it's, it's the best moment of wrestling, I think, this year. He, he, he's, his gimmick is that he's an incredibly talented, tortured racist. <laughs> Which, interestingly, was his same gimmick in WWE, wasn't it? <laughs> but, yeah, just, just on a positive note, Big Cass, he looked, he looked in fantastic shape. Yeah, he did. Um, he's been very open recently about his struggles with mental health and, you know, how they affected his time in WWE. And he looked, he looked great here. Um, I'm not sure about the name W Morrissey. Um, WWE tend to take away their first names. He's been left with an initial. 
Um, so we'll see how well that goes for him. Possibly the worst bit of trash talking I've ever heard. Uh, Sammy Callahan had a match with Trey. You might have to help me out here, Brom. Miguel. Trey Miguel. The, I don't the know. Missing member of MSK, right? Is yeah. is that short for Trevor? Yeah. So Trey Miguel, he wants to prove himself to Sammy Callahan, and he came up with possibly the worst bit of trash talk in history. He said in the build up to this match, "You can't validate me. You are not my Twitter check mark." <laughs> he did not say that. Hundred percent. That's in the video package before this match. That's getting down with the kids, though. That's big for the kids, probably. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure he only got that check mark this week because he was he was Instagramming about it all week, actually. <laughs> what he doesn't understand as well is that Sammy Callahan's a Twitter mod, so that's just shot back in his face. Oh yeah, that's that is his gimmick, isn't it? <laughs> is he like a hacker or something? Yeah, <laughs> that was in like ten years ago. <laughs> he did. I fucking loved his finisher in NXT. Anyway, so moving on. But I th- I think if you didn't see this match, uh, Dom, you would have definitely enjoyed it. Oh, uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a good, fun sort of hardcore scrap. Yeah, I he 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 doesn't seem to do much that's bad, Callahan these days, does he? At least think, Yeah, I think he's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say he's. I don't know if he's a great bloke <laughs> or not. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I'm not too sure what he what his percentage tip is at the restaurant. But um, but yeah, he's definitely a decent wrestler. So I know that you guys tend to watch Impact maybe more than I do. Um, so what's the general consensus? I know that Josh Matthews is to be commentator, right? So yeah, what's the general um, consensus on Matt Stryker? He's not Josh Matthews. <laughs> There's only one Josh Matthews. I put on um, the Twitter the other week that I listened to SmackDown for the first time with Pat McAfee. And I thought he sounded incredibly like Matt, like Matt Stryker. And I've heard Matt, Pat McAfee commentate on NXT and didn't make that recollection at all. It was like he changed his voice. Is, is this a conspiracy theory that Matt Stryker is now the SmackDown commentator, but they're just <laughs> superimposing <laughs> Pat McAfee over the top of him? I I'm like all in it. I'm all in for it, Ross. I agree with you. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I, like, I'm just a massive fan about how you guys say McAfee. You say it like it's McCaffey. Like, which is like the McDonald's coffee shop in Australia, McCafe. I love that. No one's going to get that because no one listens. To, oh, fuck, edit. <laughs> How do they say it in North Bergen? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chef, what was match three? I'm not going to go through the whole card, but uh, the reason I ask about Matt Striker, whether you know that change had been uh, received positively, is because I found it really jarring on this pay per view as someone who doesn't tend to. Uh, listened or watched stuff that he's in. Uh, I think probably the last time I saw him was in Lucha Underground, and it kind of felt like all his commentary was added post-production. But I realised on this pay-per-view, that's just how he talks. But I really I just... like Matt Stryker. <laughs> I think I'm in the minority. I really like him. Uh, I, I used to like him, but I, I didn't hear enough of him on this show to make a judgment. I enjoy, I really enjoyed the commentary in the main event, but Moro was carrying everything. Oh, God, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, and and I'm and I can be a bit of a Moro detractor. I think he goes overboard. I with think him. I think the perfect thing right, to JDL. say when someone wins the title, I think the perfect thing to say is you can't spell Omega without OMG. <laughs> I just went, no, no, he ruined it. 
<laughs> you ruined him. it. I can't stand him. He That's did it. Give it. A big match feel, but God, why do you have to get these shitty references yeah. in all the fucking time? Just, you're so good at commentary, you don't need to do it. Yeah. Okay, so so I will counter that by saying that in the Cardona uh, Myers match, Matt Striker says something along the lines of. Oh, it's very interesting that Brian Myers is wearing grey like wet cement because he's hitting hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that's not a forced reference, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, and all night he was just making all of these boxing references. He was, you know, someone swung like Tyson. He likened jazz to Freddie Roach and Angelo Dundee. He, yeah, and, and he also, there, there was a Mayweather reference in the main event too. Um, yeah, but, in that, um, in that, Matt Cardona match. Did you? Um, I didn't see it, but I've read about it. Um, did you buy the uh, injury angle? Um, Was it well done? Like, you know, I can't honestly. This is a shoot, but I can't stand either of these two guys. Like in any facet, in any organization, whether it's tw- any, I just can't stand these guys. But what I would say is on the reef, like, and I had no interest in this match. I didn't want to watch it. I did my best to not watch it. <laughs> um, I was working from home and I spent a lot more concentration on my work when this match was on but what I would say is that on the replay like it looked really bad or it looked really good depending on which <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. you know he, he looked like he really rolled his ankle it looked bad um, it looked as bad as when he rolled his ankle when Kane wheeled him off the stage <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a face turn for Kane <laughs> <laughs> um the only other thing, sorry, that I had before we move on from before we move on from Impact was um, Taylor Wilde has not wrestled in a decade, and she looked so crisp. Like everything she did, just like was quick and like spot on and tight. Like she's not fucking wrestled in in ten years. She looked fucking brilliant. Just quickly on Impact, I know obviously the opening of the Forbidden Door has been like a big thing over the past few months. I just, what do, do you guys think the impact have got much out of this? I know that obviously now they've got Kenny Omega as their champion, which is, you know, a big step up for them. But just on this pay per view, they had obviously Swan, who's contracted to them. He lost. The Good Brothers lost to the New Japan team of Finjuice. Uh, even the commentators, you know, they brought in an outside commentator because their commentators are not good enough. Do you think that this partnership's been positive for them or? Is it ultimately made them look a bit second rate? Is it not down to numbers? Like I'm presuming yeah. they've done a hell of a lot more money the way they're doing it now. That's so, the yeah. Obviously, at the moment, their whole business model relies on TV advertising because there's no live gate. I don't even know if there ever is live gate for TNA anyway. But like, I guess all that matters is that they draw an eyes to the product. Doesn't matter who it is, right? It doesn't matter who where they're contracted. It's just that is trying to sell ads for their two hours a week. We wouldn't have gone 20 minutes on TNA or Impact even uh, if it wasn't for the fact that Omega turned up and wrestled, I guess, or yeah. pick covers. So. And let's not and let's not forget, we are the leading wrestling voices. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah. Wait, wait, honestly, if you look at Impact's numbers in North Bergen next week, they're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> that, like we keep making this North Bergen joke and no one outside of the five of us is going to get... Even, even Mike won't get that. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry to break it to you guys, but I watched about five other shows this week, so I don't yeah. know when we're finishing. <laughs> That's all we have time for on Wrestling Should Be Fine, episode 11. 
Could, do, do, you me, do you want me to get through Dynamite in about 30 seconds? Yes. Do it. Um, Hangman Page added a new finisher. Always like when people do that. Great. What is it? What is it? Um, it's a sub. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that. Sorry. Carry on. Um, <laughs> Classic the, Dawn. In, in, in a circle, Inner Circle versus The Pinnacle. Too much talk about promos. Don't like that kind of stuff. Um, like, you've got to talk about fighting, not about who's got the best promo. Um, Can I just quickly um, say something about that um, Inner Circle promo from this week? Yeah. They're supposed to be faces now, right? Yeah. And that promo was like bog washing and like, oh, you're stupid. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Especially, especially Hager. That was awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but we've already established he's just a shit Josh Alexander, haven't we? <laughs> um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't believe you're throwing stones about who's baby faces and who's heels when last week you did 25 minutes about fucking Shah Samuels. <laughs> Not Shah Samuels, what's his name? <laughs> Sam Shaw. Samuel Shaw, sorry. I've just realised that Shah Samuels and Samuel <laughs> Shaw is an inverted name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my, yeah my next thing, uh, the... Uh, Though the, the Tay Conti match was was a good one. Um, there's a spot, and this goes back to jumping back when I was bitching about Kevin Dunn style camera cuts in AW. They do one, they try to do too much. They were doing a corner spot between Shida and Conti. Um, and the eventual move was sick, but like basically <laughs> they flip round because they try to do like jaunty camera angles, action, bullshit. And Conti just basically just slaps a thigh in the most obvious way ever. And it's, I think it's the worst thigh slap I've ever seen on TV, which is a real shame because I thought she did it. She's come on leaps and bounds over the past year, Conti. But that stood out like a mile for me. But that was generally, if you've not seen it, a good, a good match, she versus Conti. Did they not put up the uh, signs backstage? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um the, the highlight of the show was, is it Nick Comorotto? Is that his name? The guy in the stable? Oh, he did the main chair Big shot. Boy. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about the chair shot. I'm talking about his jacket. His jacket <laughs> is the highlight of the show. Um, Jungle Boy Darby Allen, cracking match. Go out and watch. Jungle Boy, fuck me. He is I, underrated. He is going to go far. He is fucking brilliant. Um, though... AW, is are they doing too many show-ending random brawls where just random people come out and start fighting each other? Or maybe that's, that's about thirty seconds, wasn't it, Don? Yeah, it's about right. Right. So now let's go for the deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> so Jr. opens the show by saying it's Wednesday night, and you know what that. <laughs> He had a slightly off cadence this week. I'm not sure why that was. Does anyone? Um, it's, it's like the theme songs on this podcast. <laughs> I watched um, an episode of Superstars 1993. <laughs> 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 just, just real, real briefly. There was the first ever 1993. You, you, that, I thought it was a joke. No, real. <laughs> first ever King of the Ring 1993 qualifier on Superstars. Mr. Perfect against Doink. It goes 15 minutes, time limit draw, and it's bloody brilliant. Go go back and watch it. What's the rule? Did they both get eliminated or is there a rematch or what? Um, I'm not tune sure. It, tune in next week. <laughs> 
Mate, I cannot wait to open next week's show with the result. I'm doing good. (laughs) (laughs) People in North Bergen are going to be on jitters for a week. Previously on Wrestling Should Be Fun Pod. Especially because in America they can't get the network past 2008, right? So they can't even go and check. I'm just making a note to start next week's show with a previously... Uh, <laughs> um, Dom, have you seen Progress yet? Nah, mate, I haven't seen it. I guess. Did, can we give spoilers or not? Yeah, no, I don't mind. I'll, You're yeah. going to shit yourself in the first match. There's a surprise match, and um, Luke Jacobs wins with a fucking screwdriver. This, really? The Steiner yeah. screwdriver? Dick, he does it on one of the many Kid Lycoses. Oh wow! It is thick and it looks great, doesn't it? Has anyone else seen it? Or... Yeah, it was amazing. Is that not the same as the drill claw? Yeah, it's got loads of names. There's like it's like Fire Thunder Driver and something like that. Because Brian Cage does it as a finisher as well. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not a Fire Thunder Driver though. That's what well that's the sit out Rikishi Driver, right? Sorry, I'm being a nerd now, but yeah. Yeah, sure. but but yeah, no, you are, oh, mate, I, I do love a screwdriver. Yeah, um, of a vertical suplex and drops into a pile driver. Yeah. Of of all descriptions, it's also a vodka and orange. So yeah. <laughs> obviously, everyone like this. This is this is not a Bruce Pritchard uh, podcast, but everyone knows that story about Andre the Giant on the plane, and he says he says to the flight attendant, "I'll have two screwdrivers," and she comes back with an actual screwdriver, like the tool. Uh, Proper Monty, proper Monty Python, that. Yeah, and and she goes, she goes, oh, sorry, sir, I could only find one. And he looks at whoever's sitting next to him. He goes, oh, I'd hate to see what would happen if I asked for a Bloody Mary. <laughs> Good stuff. The um, uh, Matt, I've got a, a question to ask you. Have you seen Progress, Connolly? I haven't. No. Oh God, I re- you, oh, that was the best moment ever <laughs> for, was it- for, for fans of referees. In actually, what was maybe the match of the night. There were two... But by the way, Progress, was, I thought, was really good. Um, nothing particularly stood out, but a lot of solid wrestling. They, they had this tag match with um, Danny Jones and a big fella against two lads from Bristol. Um, that, like... And it was good. It was, like, really good, actually. Um, but <laughs> there was a moment where one of the Bristol lads went for a cover, but then realised he wasn't the legal man, so came off the cover and for the other lad to go in. But the referee, in the time when they were splitting, kept counting. So he did a two-count <laughs> while there was no one pinning the guy. And it was gorgeous. Like, the, no. what about my botch of the month. It's absolutely I, I, th- I think that you'll find that was planned. They were just doing Kevin Nash gauntlet rules from WWE. He doesn't actually have to pin anyone as long as they're just jack nice and one, two, three. As long as they're down. Yeah, as long as that down, the referee was counting. Fuck, that was good. Yeah, and the, the other thing for I don't know if anyone, any of you lads have, have seen progress. Fucking hell, Spike Trevay. Like I've always, I've always, obviously, he's an incredible talent. But in ring, he is now fucking legit. Him and Ethan Allen was great. Like he is. I really hope they keep him and Kara off until there's a live show because he is the natural. Like that's the natural big match, Spike and Kara. Obviously, they've got massive history elsewhere, but like Spike is can now really go and oh, I, I just love his new in ring thing. 
Um, this in-ring style, it's so methodical. It's, it's fuck, yeah, I think it's great. I don't know. Ross, Shafi, have you seen it? I watched it, yeah. Again, like I said in the last time that we watched, um, it was it was Ridgeway, wasn't it? His last match. That was yeah, really, yeah that, that was really good as well. Yeah. And he targeted the nose in that previous match. And I made a joke of like, oh, that's funny. Like, how often do you see a limb target of the nose? And he, and he did it again. Yeah. <laughs> do you, the do, nose do you, snap. Yeah. Do you, do you think that do you think that progress can book a heel to win super strong style like that? It's interesting. I, I message yeah. uh, again. Sorry to pull back the curtain. I, I was messaging Ross about this before, and I said Spike Treve's got to win strong style. He's absolutely got to win strong style. Got do you, to. Do you, and do you, does what about anyone else got went away in? Do, do you think he can do it? I think that with the current roster, he's the only pick. Yeah. I, I suppose so. Or Samoa Joe. But anyway. <laughs> well, we there is one show, the biggest show that we've left for last, of course. Um, third generation wrestling star cross codes this week um, to try to test himself in shoot fighting. I am, of course, talking about the pay-per-view boxing debut of Hornswoggle. When you say third generation, so Vince is his dad, and uh, Vince Senior is his yeah. granddad. Oh, makes yeah, sorry, yeah, gotcha. But Vince's granddad was actually a boxing promoter, so it's come full circle. Yeah, it's just, Jeff McMahon. Some, it's just it's just in some people's blood, isn't it? <laughs> Pugilist blood. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable will include Mr. WrestleMania, Signature Cells, and Desert Island Dicks. This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Yeah, uh, wrestling should be fun. Uh, Roundtable's main event time, and this week because we've got a special guest, we're cutting it down to just the three topics on the roundtable. And leading us off with an absolute banger is the boss Ross Casey. Yeah, so this week I was just um, trawling through Twitter like I always do for wrestling should be fun, and I came across an, an account that is purely um, for um, Rick Rude sales when he gets um, the. Um, I can't say the word. The like drop on his ass, basically. Atomic, atomic drop. The atomic drop. Yeah, and uh, he's got a like real iconic um, cell of that move where he kind of gingerly moves around the ring um, with his arms out wide and his body sinewed in a way that makes it look like he's completely out of control. Um, And it made me think of other wrestlers that have got um, kind of iconic cells that are kind of specific only to them. Um, I've come up with a few, but I don't want to steal anyone's thunder because I don't know what everyone else has got. So I'll save mine till last. But uh, yeah, so kind of wrestlers that you kind of think of when you think of a certain cell. Well, I mean, there's the, it's the obvious one, um, but the best Stone Cold Stunner cell ever is Linda McMahon. (laughs) I'm sure there's lots that are like iconic. I've got a couple that are just individual things that I always thought were pretty cool. Um, so one time Samoa Joe clothesline Jack Evans out of his trainers, 
So he'd obviously like half slipped his trainers off before he takes the move. And Joe just absolutely fucking murders him and he kicks his trainers into about Rosette. Did you listen uh, to the Stone Cold Chris Jericho podcast thing? Um, oh, yeah. Jericho Someone... mentions that, that, that he wanted to, to do that with the spear. Yeah, with Goldberg, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did actually hear that. Um, it's so... Dom. You know, on the I stole, I partially stole that spot. But how Jack Evans kicks his his his, his shoe off with the back of his heel, like I use that when doing my signature dance move, where I, I flip my one of my trainers off and catch it in the midair and cap and bring it to my head like a telephone and shout "Yo, Mama!" before slamming. All right, Brodus Clay. That was the, <laughs> that was the first dance at your wedding, wasn't it, Brom? <laughs> exactly. Cleared the dance. How, how many dance battles are you getting into? It's 2021, and you're 36 years of age. <laughs> There's no substitute for experience. Don't stop trying to take my dream away from me. <laughs> um. Another one that came to mind, which is more just a one-off thing, but, um, you know, tick the bingo sheet, Rob Van Dam. uh, I really should remember the pay-per-view. I think it might have been November to remember 98 and Tommy Dreamer. forget November to remember. Is is someone tell me if I'm wrong because I have to edit it out so I don't see it. I think it's 97 if it's the one that I, I think it is. Anyway, Dreamer Pole drives Van Dam and he kicks off his neck and and bounces about three yeah. foot in the air. Um, it's one of my favourite things ever. And it's my favourite wrestler doing something that I still haven't seen anyone else do. The crowd reaction um, is amazing, isn't it? Mate, it, it, is, it is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. just So, yeah, my is I, I think it's the flag match November to remember 97, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'll... I'll I'm sure there's loads more and I'll kick myself for not remembering on the spot, but those are the two in my mind that I'm thinking of. Well, I've got one which isn't iconic, but which I absolutely love. Like, Because I, I, I find that super kicks are always sold quite poorly. I love Sammy Guevara's where he like, he drops to his knees and kind of falls back on himself. Like he's been like, it looks so, like, it's a bit theatric, but it's so like, good. Like, so, Na- like Nakamura at the start of a match, shall we? Yes, yeah, yeah. Spot, yeah. On. Yeah, spot on, yeah. I, I actually, I actually have one more while I'm fanboying. Um, one of my favourite things ever was Low Key versus Amazing Red. And Amazing Red used to sell Low Key strikes by going like stiff as a board. So there was one time when Low Key hits him with the Carpo kick, which is like the front, the front roll kick, and Red does like a backflip, but like completely stiff, like he's like an Olympic diver. It's one of the most incredible things you'll ever see. He just pretty much bounces off his own head, stiff as a board. Um, you won't, yeah. It's it's almost like that meme where Shawn Michaels is doing the headstand against oh, Sid. Yeah. yeah, but he he would do, yeah, it's just incredible, yeah. How about you guys? I'd say another, if we're talking um, from stuff we've seen live, I mean, uh, the Trent Seven cell of, of big sh- chops where he just goes against his yeah. board <laughs> is one that always gets a pop out of everyone. Um, and one that I can remember that's maybe a bit more like, I just remember it being a brilliant end to a match. Uh, and both wrestlers sold it. And it was a match that I wasn't as high on as other people, but I know other people loved it from Strong Style. When Devlin hit the headbutt on Fletcher, and, they like, just, and he collapsed on him for the pin. Him, yeah. um, just like, what an ingenious finish like to a match. And it like it felt completely justified, even though it wasn't his finisher, that it would end with just a brutal headbutt that knocked both men out. And Devlin just oh. happens to land on top. It's it's because he's got the biggest head in the North. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know, you know, whatever you think of Devin now, that was great. 
Yeah. I remember that, that. Yeah, that, that, that match was incredible. So, so good. Yeah. How about you, Jack? So I think, like, in terms of iconic sales, there's obviously people that do sales as part of their regular repertoire. Uh, so obviously people like Flair with the Flair flop. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously Shawn Michaels does that sort of corner post flip. Um, yeah. But I, I never really thought that they added much to the match because they just become, you know, as we were saying earlier, almost a bit of a trope. Mm. But one person, uh, and to be honest, the same with The Rock and The Stunner, um, he almost did too much. Um, but one person who was brilliant with iconic sales for me would be uh, Bret Hart. Like the way he would take a turnbuckle to the chest yeah. he was just incredible. Like he would still be accelerating as his chest would hit the, the top rope and it would just go off like a gun and it would just look incredible. Yeah. And, he, and like the way that and the way that he'd sell it would be amazing as well, wouldn't it? Like, it, like you could feel it, you know, you could think like, yeah, that would actually really hurt. When I um, think of, um, there's that quite infamous match, is it against Dino Bravo where he breaks his sternum on the... On the guardrail. Uh, on the guardrail. But, but like in my brain, because of that, and like how he used to do it most matches, in my brain, he did it doing that. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess, you know, he, he weakened himself in the guardrail and that was forever, <laughs> a, you know, a weakness of his. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's like a, it's a little inside thing in the wrestling industry, isn't it? The Calgary turnbuckle. They say that everyone from Calgary can take a turnbuckle well. Yeah. I mean, when you go back and watch Brett, like he was so good, you know, everything he does, you know, within the confines of wrestling, it just, just look real. And I know that you need to suspend your you know, disbelief a little bit, but it just like, why would you, why would you do a 180 when you're being thrown forward? Like it doesn't make sense. So the way that he took the turnbuckle sort of fed into, you know, yeah. his sort of realistic style. Yeah. His, like his whole thing was that like, he was a, like he was always like a playground brawler. And like he used to replicate that in the ring, right? Like it, like he wanted everything to feel like it was a, a battle. Yeah. Um, and just for one-off sales, uh, Omega versus Okada. I think it's the first one where he goes to take the Rainmaker. Oh, and yes, it's so yeah. exhausted, he just drops to his knees. Mm. But Okada puts his whole body into finishing him off after this grueling match that it propels him, you know, all the way across the ring. Like that yeah, was just it's, like imagery. It's to be a, to be a nerd about it, it's match okay, two. The second one, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's just something that I'll never forget. Yeah, that was that was <clears throat> amazing. Yeah. The, the the only annoying thing about that is like you see loads of people in like kind of shit indie matches trying to like replicate the spot, and you're just like, no. <laughs> but the good thing is Jay White has made it a piece of his where he does it for heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's ace though. Yeah. Thanks for that, guys. That was fucking great. Like, he pretty much crossed e everything that I had on my list and absolutely more. The two extra ones that I had were um, slightly silly ones. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when, similar to Bret Hart, but um, Sergeant Slaughter would get an Irish whip and he would, like, bounce off the bottom rope to the outside and, like, hit his, like, like, hit his head on the ring steps on the outside. Absolutely mad, like, mad bump for someone that you wouldn't expect to, to, to be doing that. I remember him being eliminated from like several Royal Rumbles in that way as well. Um, and my last well, one... It's, that's a thing in wrestling. A lot of people um, uh, call it the uh, the Iraqi ring post. <laughs> every, every wrestler affiliated with a Gulf War could, could take that. But... 
And the last one, um, I don't know exactly what to call it, but basically any time that Devon would, would take a, a bump and he would do like a shake. Yeah, they, they call it the Dudleyville convulsion. It's a little known thing in wrestling. <laughs> everyone everyone from Dudleyville can do the convulsion after getting getting uh, headbutted in the balls. Well, that's a perfect segue because the, uh, the, the, the guy who's most famous for that is Big Dick Doug- Dudley. Here um, we go. So I think, do, does that segue into my, into, into my round table? Perfect. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, we'll definitely leave Shafi's to the end because my one is not a round table main eventer. Um, so I've gone with, lads, I've gone with um, Desert Island Dicks. So I, I, want, I want, from each of you, I want four wrestling personalities that you'd least like to be um, stuck on a desert island with. Shaf, you've got to go first here, I think, mate. Okay, so obviously exactly. that was four, not forty. I know you're. Uh, okay, what you think about a lot of people. It's all right. I've printed off the Wikipedia page of each of them here, so I'm just going to read it to you <laughs> <laughs> with references. Um, so there are obviously a lot of bad people in wrestling, but that's not fun. So I, what I I've come up with these four that I really wouldn't want to be stuck on a desert island with. So ultimately, if you're stuck on a desert island, your most important thing is survival. So which four people are going to inhibit my ability to survive on a desert island? So number one, Dick, who I would not want to be on a desert island with, is Orange Cassidy. (laughs) So lazy, like he's not going to pull his weight. He's not going to help whatsoever. Um, I don't need him there. No, thank you. He's not, you know, pull your finger out, literally. Um, Next, Yokozuna. Now, me and Ross actually met Yoko a few weeks before he sadly passed away, and the guy was an absolute unit. And can you imagine the amount of food that we're going to have to scourge to feed this guy? You know, not not good. I don't want him on a desert island. It's going to be too much hard work for us all to survive. Speaking of survival, I believe he was a, a hot topic on the podcast last week. Dexter Loomis. <laughs> Serial killers and survival. <laughs> <laughs> Not ideal, I'd say. Um, you're never going to be able to sleep properly. Always worrying about what he's going to do next. It's going to turn into a low-budget horror film. So, no thank you, Mr. Loomis. And finally, we have got Zach Gowan. Now, we've oh, all yeah. seen these... Um, these what's the, the film where the rugby team crash in the Andes and they have to start eating each other? Alive. 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 Exactly. Zach Gowan, there's less of him to eat. Useless. <laughs> you, you. I was going to make a joke about Yokozuna being, you, you know, he'd be okay to eat. But anyway, you've you've stolen my punchline. Then, brilliant. <laughs> Ross, can you beat that? Currently, just eating, eating a pizza. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Uh, come on, can you beat that? I can't beat it. Uh, my list is is not as as good. I just went for four people that I would find annoying. And uh, I think MJF would just be insufferable, wouldn't he? He'd be plotting against me, probably. He'd be getting the others on side. He'd be saying they're all wrestling lads and they should kill me off. So I'm not having that. Uh, Spike Trevay, just because Tory and he get rid of him. Um, can't be dealing with that. So that leaves us with two that I didn't want. And it's just two people that would just annoy me in real life if they were anything like their wrestling characters. And that's Johnny Gagano and Sami Zayn. I wouldn't be able to deal with either of them. 
as great in the ring as they would be on a desert island, just feel like they'd want to talk too much and I'd probably want to chill out, enjoy the weather, enjoy the scenery. So yeah, I can't be dealing with them two either. Uh, Dom, while Ross finishes his pizza. Um, so I forgot to prep, um, so I'm just making mine up on the spot. So I thought Shafi gave me the idea for a gimmick when he mentioned the word survivor and survival. So um, little known fact about your host here is that after The Simpsons, probably my second favourite non-wrestling TV show of all time is Survivor, um, the reality show that started in America and now the Australian version is really, really good. Um, I, my girlfriend and I still watch the Australian version now. Uh, it's like season 50. So I often think about, like, if I went, like, obviously I'd be the worst person to go on Survivor because, like, I'm fat and I'm not handy at anything. But I, um, I just was just thinking about wrestlers that I'd least like to go on Survivor to play against. Um, so I got, like, the first person I'd hate to be on there with Jake the Snake Roberts because he would just play, like, a really cerebral game, too clever, too intelligent. He'd outsmart me and he'd blindside me for sure. Um, I would hate to be on there with Brock Lesnar because he would be the physical threat. I'd never beat him in any challenges. Um, and that's where I ran out of ideas. So also the worst things on Survivor, maybe you guys can help me with. Um, you... oh, what about surely Skinner? Well, but why? Skinner was like, that was his gimmick, wasn't it? Ross will tell me because the only Skinner is definitely the most 1992 superstars wrestler. But he was like a survival guy, wasn't he, Skinner, from like the the the, the kind of marsh lands of America or whatever? That's right, yeah. He was a crocodile hunter. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't want to be going against Skinner, mate. No, I definitely wouldn't. I, I don't know if you know how survival works, but you you probably wouldn't mind no. someone that could help you out. Like it's, it's the people that you can't beat that you don't want on there. Whereas like someone who's just like, that that's the guy who I'd keep around to feed me and look after me and then I'd just blindside him at the last moment. I mean, I've 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 got no idea what Survivor is, but I'm I'm still I'm still chipping in. I would thank 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 you for your support. So the last two categories for my two slots, um, I'm gonna I've got like I need someone that can't like keep a secret. Paul Heyman because he just couldn't keep a secret. His lips would be going all the time. He'd be trying to tell too many lies, and he'd get caught out, and he'd ruin my alliances. Um, and the last one, the worst person you, you want to be. Paul Heyman ruined the alliance. <laughs> and then the last one that I would that you would hate to have around is you can never like try to be on survival with someone who's just too nice a person because you'll never beat them in the final vote. So you've got to get rid of like the people that are just genuinely nice. So I would hate to be on Survivor against Daniel Bryan because he's just a lovely bloke and I would never beat that guy, the fucking vegan humanitarian lefty prick. <laughs> I think, so, should, I think Ross should made about this segment because obviously Ross loves everyone. So I'll I'll get mine out of the way. Um, I've just gone boring, obvious picks. Loki, like fucking hell, he'd do your any money. What do you mean? Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, on a similar note, I'm not just going for like former R.O.H. stars, but Austin Aries, fucking hell. Oh, he'd just be insufferable, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, He'd be alright if, if you had a banana plantation there. <laughs> I think also, like, I don't think you can do this without mentioning Hogan. Like, Jesus, like, fuck, like, like, you just you'd top yourself after day one, wouldn't you? But the main event of the person that I don't think I could last for five minutes with is uh, Bruce Pritchard. 
<laughs> fair, fair, fair shouts from you. Nothing funny about that. Just four trash. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back every week. I'm not going to comment on wrestling. I'm just going to name four cunts. <laughs> it, um, By the way, I'm going to do a split off. I'm not doing the wrestling thing. I'm going to do a new two minute Patreon only split off called the Four Cunts Podcast. Uh, <laughs> people from North Bergen, if you can hit me up. <laughs> I take. I, I, I tell you who's famous for that type of content is Dreads Tony from Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Dreads Tony from Pornhub are going live on Patreon straight after this. I feel like Matt made this um, roundtable topic just so that he could slag off Bruce Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Each week, I'm going to get it in. <laughs> so, so, uh, so for my four, um, I looked at it from a completely... Um, selfish angle of oh my god who would I absolutely hate t- to be there with in terms of four guys that absolutely love to, to, to find someone who they are bigger than stronger than can haze can bully and I tried to think of the four biggest kind of hazing bully type people that I know of in the wrestling industry um, p- people that were just Push me t- to the point of not wanting t- to live and then finding it very, very funny amongst themselves. Um, I've gone with JBL. Shout. Shelfie <laughs> 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 is written down straight away. Um, I don't know if, if you guys watched his Hall of Fame speech, but he managed. That last to, line. Yeah, he managed to basically throw it in um, Mauro's face after Mauro came out and cited his mental health problems to him a little bit and then basically said that you know i can't remember the, the exact line but it was something like cry a river snowflake or, or, or something along those lines just showing exactly the, the, the sort of person that he is and i think someone that would be perfect alongside him in that group of arseholes would be hugh morris um oh, there was a lot of talk about him in the nxt developmental i think it was kenny omega that came out and basically said that it was a, basically a hazing territory for him to haze young wrestlers um and then i've gone for a tag team of um tom billington who by all accounts is an absolute bully and arsehole a terrible person and, and fair play to him at least he admits it unlike a lot of the other ones his book is basically just him saying here's the terrible things that i've done um and i think that the fourth one there that would be awful for awful for me as some as, as the person that was getting all this hazing would be the british bulldog because even though he's widely known as like a bit of a nice guy and he loved a rib with Owen that was a bit more tasteful, I think he was someone that absolutely riled up Tom Billington to the point where he went overboard and actually David Boy was a big part of that. The British Bulldog's going to haze Ross whether he likes it or not. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that was me going from a very like, if I was on that island and like, what would I hate the most and it probably would just be hazed by four burly bully boys which i think those four are pretty perfect for yeah that's no that's 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 a great shout ross i, I agree with you those four I, so i'm so, like i'm this probably makes me a bad person which is why i'll edit it out because i'm the baby face here everyone knows but um i i like when i hear that story about jbl i'm like i bet i'd get on with him like <laughs> well i was quite popular at school <laughs> 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 on that note, what, uh, <laughs> what, what, Chef, what do you got for us? 
So I think that I would just like to say well done to Brum and Ross for answering the question. I think that uh, Connolly and Dom got a little bit confused. Uh, Connolly came out with, who would I least like to go to the Maldives with? Yeah, to- <laughs> that's fair. That is and, fair. Uh, that is fair. And Dom's was, who would I least like to compete against on a game show? <laughs> that is completely fair. I think I just saw the opportunity to dig out Zayn and Gagano for being annoying and missed the point. It's okay. Maldives is a lovely place and I wouldn't want to share it with them either. <laughs> okay, so this week my roundtable topic is basically Shawn Michaels is touted as Mr. WrestleMania. He's named himself that. WWE quite clearly called himself that. And I just wanted to ask you guys who you think is Mr. WrestleMania, who you find synonymous of WrestleMania, because personally to me, Shawn Michaels probably isn't top three when it comes to Mr. WrestleMania. Oh, God. That's a hot take. Fuck off. Taker times two. Angle, Flair, Jericho, Brett, Cena, Razor, and the triple threat match. That is nine stone-cold fucking bangers from from Shawn Michaels. Haku and the Barbarian. What's that, Ross? Haku and the Barbarian. Yeah. (laughs) Great match. But uh, that is an obscene amount. No one, even Taker, touches that shot. Uh, disagree. <laughs> but I'll, let's let's hear everyone else's thoughts first, and I'll see if I can come back with a rebuttal. You you could argue. Sorry, what I'll, I'll what, get my last piece in because I'm so upset by this. You could argue that those nine matches I've just listed, uh, may maybe not seen it, I guess, um, but that's a really good match. But like about eight of those matches could be in the top twenty WrestleMania matches of all time. So it's nearly half of the top twenty WrestleMania matches could be Shawn Michael. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> you can argue whatever you want. It doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, I'm scaring my brain to try to think of like a left field one that no one else would say because, like, mine are pretty boring. Um, I, I, I also like Brummett find it hard to go past Sean, really. Um, but I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a bloke that's had plenty of really, really amazing WrestleMania moments, and that's Jeff Hardy. I'm not saying he's not Mr. WrestleMania. But the, like, as far as like a left field one, someone who always has a memorable moment, someone who always stands out, you know, like I, you know, you could say that he almost stole the show at 16, 17, the big Hardy Boys return at whatever year that was. He was like the first one I remember doing a bump like through a ladder that was propped up against the apron at WrestleMania. Like he did the big, that might've been against his brother when he did the big like atomic leg drop, like superhuman does. Um yeah, not Mr. WrestleMania, because I think that is Sean, but just a left field one that no one else is probably thinking of. Yeah, a bit of, bit of Nero. So for me, I think it is between Sean and Taker personally, but I can absolutely understand anyone that would give a shout out to Hulk Hogan. He's had the most main events in WrestleMania history with eight, and it's called WrestleMania, which is a pun on Hulkamania. And he was the, and, and he was the main reason that... that that WrestleMania even exists beyond Vince McMahon, of course, who, who is also actually a decent shout to be called Mr. WrestleMania. Um, so I would say that it's between Hulk, Sean and Taker as, as my three. Um, but also, um, can anyone tell me who is the uh, best win-loss record for a female at WrestleMania? I know the worst one. I know the worst one. Owen oh, six. It's it's the best Michelle McCool. 
It's not Michelle McCall. It's it's someone that's got a three and zero. Uh, how many did China have? Two. Uh, I remember she beat Ivory. Anyway, kept, yeah, no, I don't know. Layla. It's actually Sable. So Sable is officially Mrs. WrestleMania. Fine. So, uh, so in that case, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it could be Mark WrestleMania by marriage. <laughs> Dom, Dom, you've missed an open goal as well. Your boy Rob Van Damme's four and zero at Mania. Yeah. Right? Yeah, none of them, none of them bangers, and one of them was <laughs> one of them was on a pre-show. Like what is like RVD and Candice, the Dudleys, I think. Is, is that the is that the longest active um, undefeated streak, Van Damme's? Before. I don't know. I, I've heard it mentioned before. Talking but, of pre-shows, um, there is also a Mr. Pre-show, WrestleMania, with nine pre-show matches. Anyone? What? It's got to be someone in the modern era who's been in all the Andres or something. It is a fairly modern era wrestling. Jay, Jay Uso. No. Baron Corbin. <laughs> it is Mr. Pre-show, WrestleMania. Primo. Nine. <laughs> wow. But going back to the actual question. It, I actually it, thought you were going to mention Ryback and he was going to get mentioned again. <laughs> he has got mentioned now, but he was the pre-show stopper. Got to squeeze him in. Yeah. Um, but going back to, to, to mine, I think, I, I actually think that I would argue it's Hulk Hogan. Come on, have you got any takes before Shaffy drops his cold one? Because I'll, I'll keep it short. I think I agree we, with it's Michaels. Shaffy, what, what do you got for us? So, not Shane McMahon. Although oh. he has got a, a wonderful anthology of WrestleMania matches and moments. Um, so I don't know if, I think probably number one, I would go Hogan. Um, as Ross has already said, there is no WrestleMania about Hogan. Uh, the first WrestleMania really was, you know, the it helped them go nationwide, didn't it? Um, obviously, this, however, Mania 2 is an absolute mess with multiple locations. So the future of WWE, WWF really hinged on WrestleMania 3. Um, and the way that they managed to build that match, obviously the main attraction was Hogan Andre. They managed to get, you know, a Cafabe a 93,000 or a genuine 79,000 in the Silverdome. Um, I, you know, that was great. They tried going to Savage at four. Again, it was a bit of a mess. Um, it seems like all of the e early even number ones were a bit of a mess. To be honest, at five, Mega Powers Explode was brilliant again. Six, Warrior, brilliant, especially considering Warrior was terrible. But I watched that match maybe two weeks ago, and like that, I feel like that's a, actually a really enjoyable match. It, yeah, yeah. As, you know. as a Hogan hater, I, I think uh, WrestleMania six is his greatest accomplishment. Yeah, it's officially it, it's it's a, it's it's officially like his best match. It's re, it's a good match. But but even more so for him doing the kind of the heart bulldog '92 SummerSlam job as well. Like, um, he just, yeah, re, re, really impressive from Hogan getting that match out of Warrior. Uh, I just like honorable mention. Like, I think the only thing that even comes close to that is their spot in the Royal Rumble that same year. I probably like that even more than the Mania match. But yeah, um, he then obviously got a few was given a few dud hands. I mean, Slaughter never should have been anywhere near a Mania main event. We spoke a couple of weeks ago that Flair Hogan should have been at Mania 8. Mania 9, he was sort of already out the door, but they brought him back for a tag match. Um, and then WrestleMania 18, we get Hogan versus Rock in... He won the title at WrestleMania 9. 
<laughs> he did. Um, but I mean, like in terms of build matches, he yeah. was obviously in a tag against Money Inc. Yeah. With old Brutus. Um, and then WrestleMania 18, like, is one of the biggest WrestleMania matches ever. I put forward that we, it probably should have been Hogan and Austin. It didn't happen. We got Hogan and Rock. And it doesn't really matter how good or bad that match was. Like, you won't find many matches where the crowd are more into it. And ultimately, that is, that's Hogan's legacy, isn't it? He's not out there having six-star matches, but all the people in the arena were into what was happening for the most part. So Hogan, for me, he's the, the sole reason for the success of WrestleMania. Um, it's got to be Mr. WrestleMania. Um, so many times they were on, you know, sort of quaky ground, particularly in the early years, and he pulled one out of the bag and put them back on track, I think. Uh, obviously, honourable mentions to The Undertaker. And then probably, this is going to probably upset you and the population of North Bergen, but I would actually go for Brett next. I'm writing to my local MP about this bollocks. <laughs> and and this is this is the reason why. So obviously we said about Hogan doing all this groundwork between sort of WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 8. Uh, WrestleMania 9, Brett finally gets the ball. He gets to go on top. Ultimately, the belt goes to Hogan. But they trust Brett at WrestleMania 10. He has what I think is a five-star match in the opener of WrestleMania. Then ends the show lifting the belt. Um, obviously at Mania 11, uh, he was in a terrible spot. Fair play, Sean and uh, Diesel had as good a match as they probably could have had. Uh, WrestleMania 12, we get the iconic uh, Iron Man match in which Bret Hart carried Shawn Michaels for 61 minutes. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe that's going a little bit too far. But um, but the, the piece de resistance, the, probably the crowning achievement of Bret's career, I would say, for me, it's probably the best WrestleMania match ever. And one of the most important matches in WWF history. WrestleMania 13. Um, what he does for Austin is incredible. Like it's just such a good match. The the storytelling that seems to be something of a lost art is just honestly. He goes in there as a hero, comes out as a villain, and puts Austin on this trajectory that it's going to push WWE back into business, put them ahead of uh, WCW, and ultimately win the Monday Night Wars. And that's down to Bret. So without Bret and Hogan, I don't think uh, WrestleMania or WWE survive or are successful long enough for Sean to even have his run of matches that have allowed him to be Mr. WrestleMania. Just to confirm, Dom, can we edit that out? So where Matt Conley says Shawn Michaels and then we'll just cut. <laughs> <laughs> like Shawn, Shawn matches, Shawn's matches are great, but I just don't think that they are as integral to the success of WrestleMania as as oh. Bret and Hogan and uh, Taker. I've like I'm really time wary here. I've got about twelve follow up questions to ask everyone about WrestleMania matches and stuff. We'll have to save it for a for a future episode. I, I actually I think my my pick next week. I want to talk about Sean Bret I am my match actually. So you've got to come back for back for that show. All right, so uh, we're we're getting towards our uh, an, our epilogue after the main event, our dark match. It's time for Booker Bingo. E I N G O and Bingo was his name. Oh, this is Booker Bingo.
Brian Adams versus Azure Kong. <laughs> Good luck booking what the hell Brian Adams versus Azure Kong looks like. Can um, I just can I just ask quickly, is Brian Adams crush? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um Okay, does anyone want to offer to go first? Usually someone offers to go first, but if not, I'll just pick someone at random. I'll go first. Go on, Ross. I'm going to go super simple, super short. Um, Japanese wrestling is known for some pretty weird match types with piranha death matches and all sorts going on in Japan. And I want to see Kona Crush, 1992 Kona Crush, in his purple and yellow outfit and I want to see a coconut death match I want to see Crush he comes to the ring with 40 coconuts in a box he places them down one by one he crushes them <laughs> and then they're all around the ring and, 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 then, and then we get Crush coming out and saying I am Crush I'm from Hawaii bra Nobody's stronger than me, brah. Who can take me out, brah? Nobody here in Japan, brah. <laughs> and then the lights go out. <laughs> the lights go out. And it's Aja Kong. And she's in her full full um, face paint and a red trousers and everything. But she's not got a vest top on. She's actually just got um, two coconuts on her breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and she says... I am stronger than you, Crush, and I'm going to prove it in this coconut death match. And then they have what seems to go on for 20 minutes because Crush is just basically doing that uh, Crush taunt thing that he does where he points his hands towards against each other. And the crowd are just not buying it at all, and they're booing him. And then Arja Kong hits him with the backhand smash. He falls into the coconuts, and we've got ourselves a coconut... Deathmatch champion, Arja Kong, and Crush goes back to Hawaii to, 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 to go and surf or something. <laughs> right. I'll try and follow that, Ross. Um, so. Con man, just quickly, um, going back to mine, I don't think I really portrayed why she was wearing that bra. was because right. he got confused by him saying bra all the time, but he's just being Hawaiian. Right. He got confused. That went over my head. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that either. I just thought you were being really like there was some sort of fetish. So I'm gonna go with um, uh, chronic WCW. Oh, no! <laughs> chronic on an absolute tear, but um, Brian, Brian Clark gets injured, and WCW, I think at the time had a partnership with All Japan's Women's Wrestling, so. What they did, they just went for an old soap thing where they just replaced Brian Clark with Azure Kong, but kept referring to Azure Kong as Brian Clark, like no one had noticed the difference. Um, so they have, having, they're having even better matches because obviously Azure Kong's three times the worker that Brian, Brian Clark is. Um, but again, they just keep calling Azure Kong Brian Clark. And then eventually, Brian Clark, they're, they're, you know, beating natural born thrillers, all those boys in WCW 2000. And then um, Brian Clark gets back from his injury and he's like, comes in, it's like a kind of the fake Undertaker spot and just like, that's not the real block Brian Clark I'm the real block Brian Clark 
and then Aja Kong pulls off a Brian Clark mask and it's clearly Aja Kong and just smiles at him. And Aja Kong's other big Japanese women's like Joshi legend um, and rival, Manami Toyota, comes in and just low blows um, Brian Clark and they and then Toyota and Aja Kong kick the shit out of them builds up to WCW Greed 2001 and we get Chronic versus Ma- um, Manami Toyota and, um, and, and yeah, sorry, Chronic versus Kong and Toyota. Absolutely five-star match because they're, Kong, and, Kong and Toyota are brilliant workers. But the last spot is, because um, Chronic are still, like, especially with Toyota, they're much bigger with her and dominating her. And eventually Kong and Toyota just eyeball Brian Adams and um, start singing um, the the hit, the, the Mel C and Brian Adams hit. When you go, when you go, baby, baby, I'm in love. And then... And then Brian gets in Brian Clark's head and he can't do any spots and Brian Adams can't do any spots. And the whole crowd are singing it because it was such a hit, that song. Um, and Mel C's vocals, incredible in it. But Aja Kong and Manami, Manami Toyota hit the, hit the vocals perfectly. The crowd sing it word for word. I don't even know how they know the words, but they it just completely distracts Adams and Clark and um, Kong and Toyota win with a double roll up. And that's how WCW ends. That's the, the main event of Greek. That's uh, good for two reasons. One, you mentioned a banger. Two, you've given Chronic their second WCW main event, which is great. Um, <laughs> Dom Shafi, one of you going. I feel like Dom's heartbroken. Sorry, Dom, did I steal chronic from you? So I was. So I seriously, uh, mine wouldn't have been as funny as yours. I was just going to book a. <laughs> I was going to book a hoss match between Chronic versus Aja Kong and Bull Nakano. Um, and then you they were a lot better than mine. And then they were going to the the finish was going to be singing um, the theme song from the Three Musketeers. That's also Brian Adams. How does that go? What was that song? Yeah, uh, wasn't that wasn't there like that was like Brian Adams Sting? Yeah, like Rod Stewart. It was like like yeah. real loads of real big names, wasn't it? It was it was number one in Australia for like sixteen weeks. It's ridiculous. Um, and also, I like what we're talking about. We're never going to talk about Brian Adams again. So um, maybe one of my favourite song lyrics of all time is from that Mel C song. And it's like, uh, even food don't taste that good. Drake ain't doing what it should. That's really good. It's just, I relate to that as a drinker and an eater. It's an outstanding song, and I tried to get the IndyCar Disco to play it, and I got voted down two to one, and I it's, hate them it's, both. It's for such it. a great song. Mel C is by far the best Spice Girl. Top two. Top two. Yeah, top two. I, I, I like Jerry. 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 Yeah. Yes, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> point. I quite Mel like C's, Jerry. Mel C is definitely um, aged the best. 
Um, so meanwhile, I've still not got a match. Uh, I, I think Gabby, you have you got one booked that you can go with, or yeah? So right. Dom, you've got some time. Now, can I just can I just can I just lose? Can my match just be Jerry Halliwell as the best Spice Girl? I've got nothing. That's my part of the segment. Shaffy, main event. By the way, Shaff, not not to put pressure on you, but if you win this, you've got to come back next week. Okay, I'll do my best not to win. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got to watch a 60 minute Ironman match. (laughs) Right, so it's WrestleMania weekend, and they're doing the Hall of Fame. And as part of the the sort of international hall of fame they invite Ajakong to be inducted and they're also going to invite Brian Adams for his previous stints in WWE and WCW however the powers that be invite the wrong people so the whoever's backstage, probably the guy who's put all of their belongings in the trash bag for the people who've recently been released, accidentally invite the singer Brian Adams uh, of the same name and invite Awesome Kong as opposed to Edger Kong. (laughs) So, So these two people turn up at WrestleMania, they get inducted, um, and WWE don't really realize. And then there's a bit of fallout afterwards and Edger Kong and Brian Adams, aka Crush, get into a bit of Twitter beef, and WWE are really worried about like how can they cover this up? Um, they sack some, you know, irrelevant person in the chain, and Triple H puts out a tweet saying it was all his fault. You know? <laughs> um, he gets scapegoated. So what they decide to do on Raw is have a match between Crush, Brian Adams, and Ajakong, and whoever wins gets their own special induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, and ultimately, it's getting to the end of the match. It's been really hard for Ajakong's been bringing the fire. Brian Adams has been bringing the chronic. It's been fantastic. <laughs> and just as we're entering into that classic sort of Japanese finishing stretch where you know we're reaching that crescendo and there's going to be a winner, um, Triple H comes out and interferes, knocks out the referee, and it's ruled a no contest because you do not cross the boss. Neither of them will be going into the Hall of Fame. And we're stuck with Brian Adams and Awesome Kong as this year's Hall of Fame inductees. It's it's pretty fabulous. I can't lie. It's a line bringing the chronic. (laughs) No, but I think... It, it was an even better joke than that because uh, Aja Kong was bringing the fire and you, you have, you know, I, I believe that's how a drug is taken by lighting it on fire. I <laughs> um, that's also my least favourite thing about Chronic is that it's a drug reference for two roided up guys that have never taken drugs. Um, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, all four of you again bought something. I, I, could, I feel the pain for Dom because he hasn't maybe bought the wrestling acumen this week, but I've I enjoyed had, our chat about the Spice Girls enough. I, I've had, <laughs> I've had, worthy mention. I've had four ideas since. <laughs> um, it's really close run between Brum and Shafi. Um, that's not to dispute Ross's idea, but I feel like Ross's was built on a catchphrase of bra, which, uh, <laughs> which didn't necessarily work out. But he I've been watching Superstars, Matt. He says, yeah. that, 
<laughs> but you did have the death slot of going first, so you do get extra points for, for taking it up and, and running with it early doors. Someone had to do it. Um, it's really hard. Um, I think I'm going to edge because I did this last time and I picked Rowe because he went last. I'm going with Shafi. Uh, Shafi, you've, you've edged it from Brum this week. There was I could mention all the great things that you both booked, but um, I think uh, you made a very good point there with uh, the match at the end. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Shafi. He's, he's nicked it. Can we just like put a little bit of Brian Adams music to just see out the podcast? One hundred percent. The Mel C song's going in. All right, guys, there we have that Wrestling Should Be Fun part, episode 11. This is Brian Adams, Mel C. We also had Matt Brummett, Matt Connolly, Shafi, the Sultan, only one name needed, and Ross the Boss Casey. Thank you so very, very much to all of our guests this week, particularly Brian and Mel. Thank you so much to you, dear listener. Every week you get through this, apparently, especially if you live in North Bergen, 300 of you all listen to it this this week apparently and hopefully 600 of you will listen to it next week absolutely fantastic to have you all don't forget go and hit us up on the instagram uh it's at wrestling should be fun don't forget to hit us up on twitter it's capital w s b f u n uh you know rate review subscribe and act it out on your balcony like a play let's play this song out until next time guys drink lots of water look after your mates Wrestling should be fun. This podcast ran so long. Shaft went on and on. And Ross just seemed so rough. Even Brian didn't talk that good. Matt ain't doing what he should. Feed just seems so long. Wrestling should be fun.